0: Well, good morning Greenwich. Today is Tuesday, it's September 8th. Good to welcome you on this new day. Pray that you are well, and that uh, these uh, moments of reflection upon a psalm and some theological study uh, will be beneficial to you, establishing your faith, your hope, your love. Hopefully there's some challenge, uh, as well as some comfort uh, in each of these times of reflection. Uh, just quick administrative reminder, Um, You may register uh, for your attendance either on Sunday morning services at nine or 11, or for our Sunday evening Vespers service at six o'clock this week. Previous ones have been at seven. Sun's going down a little bit, so we'll have Vespers this coming Sunday the 13th at 6 p.m. It'll be outdoors. I believe some choir members are gonna lead uh, a short hymn sing for us, and we'll share a time of prayer and fellowship, so invite you to, Join Sunday morning and Sunday evening uh, as you are able. So please register at GreenwichPrez.org. your name, which service uh, or services you'd like to attend. Uh, Perhaps you could do one email to get Sunday morning and uh, a Vesper's registration. So that'll be great. Psalm 98, Um, on day eight, this is the Psalm that uh, became the basis for our hymn, Joy to the World which was not originally fashioned or written or composed as a Christmas or a Christmas carol or hymn, but it became associated with that. Um, so Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed His righteousness to the nations. He has remembered His love and His faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with the trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord. The king. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Psalm 98 a joyful psalm. You can hear joy to the world. The Lord has come. And so um, the, the revealing of God's arm His hand-working salvation in the birth of Jesus Christ. That's why that got associated uh, with the incarnation. Um, just to, to, I love the psalm, uh, but it's hard not to hear the hymn <laughs> as I'm, I'm reading it. And so all of creation gets involved in the praise of God. The rivers are clapping their hands. The mountains are singing together for joy. Let fields and floods, rock hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, so I commend Psalm 98 to you. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. And So with Psalm 98 and joy to the world, perhaps a little bit echoing in our uh, our minds and hearts now, I want to begin to think with you for the uh, balance of this week, what I'll call Theology 402, The Church and the World. So now that we've thought about the church, trying to understand who this, who we are, (laughs) what this entity is, this new covenant community that is the fulfillment of God's long foreshadowed promises to Abraham to build a new humanity from every tribe, language, race, people that would share a unity through faith in Jesus Christ. And so this church has been here for 2000 years, spread throughout the world, throughout time and God is building Christ is building his church how do we interact then with the world <clears throat> the the non-church world as it were and so I left you with a homework uh, reflection yesterday what is our that is the church's, or what is your as a, as a Christian individual Christian what is our what is your relationship with the world as you think about your relationship with the world, well, we're going to, have to talk about what is the world, okay? But hopefully, it prompts some thoughts. Is there anxiety as you look around at the world, okay? The world around us, the news, etc. Is it anxiety? Is it anger, frustration, uh, disappointment? Um, is there a tendency? I just want to avoid the world. It's kind of easier in the time of COVID, isn't it? Uh, we can just hang out in our homes, hide behind our masks, stay socially distanced from people, and I don't have to deal with nobody that I don't want to. Um, Is it to avoid the world? And so, you know, if you kind of think beyond COVID, some Christian and some Christian traditions have a, 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 a retreat from the world. I'm thinking like of the Amish community, kind of a retreating from the world, okay? So avoiding the world, or is there kind of an indulgence of the world? You know, worldly pleasures and joy, and God made these good gifts, and so all of the, the benefits that are ours as we engage uh, the, the world uh, and, its, um, and its treasures, if I could say it that way. Some have a relationship of criticism, criticizing the world, you know, listening to the news and then you know, being critical. And frankly, judging the world, judging others who are outside the church, kind of sometimes having a bit of a a negative view towards others who who don't share with us um, the values and truths that we do. Some think in terms of becoming a servant to the world, okay? So that's a kind of another way of coming at that, that the church's job, my job is to be a servant to the world to help those in need, regardless of their religious affiliation, okay? Um, is it just to ignore and be indifferent? like, you know, I'm too busy with my life. I've just got a lot going on. I've got my circle of friends. I've got my little path that I run on every day. Uh, I've got the things that I do. Ah, you know, I wish things were a little better, but it's no big deal. Kind of ignorant. I was kind of ignore or, or, or to be indifferent uh, of the world in some ways. <clears throat> Another way of thinking of it would be to embrace the world this sense of having kind of a—it's kind of tying into service, kind of a responsibility. I want to embrace the world. I want to have the world in my heart. I want to pray. I want to engage. I want to evangelize. I want to bring the message of Jesus Christ to the world. That's one way of thinking about our relationship to the world: is to evangelize, okay, to bring good news uh, to those who've not heard it. Um. And then, kind of flip, just kind of away from this. What about money? Your relationship with money and how that may engage uh, politics. Okay, and the exercise of power and political realities. How about worldly pleasure, worldly activities. Because within some church traditions, some of us have learned not to be a worldly. Christian, A worldly Christian is one who engages um, in certain activities that perhaps they ought not. Um, you know, going to the movie, watching certain kinds of movies, um, uh, drinking alcohol, smoking cigarettes in some places. It's smoking marijuana now, I suppose. Um, you know, uh, dancing. You know, so some grew up in religious traditions. Uh, where dancing was prohibited, playing cards was prohibited and the like. And so anyone who did those things was considered to be worldly, okay? And so some of you may, that may be an echo of something you've heard uh, along the way uh, in in perhaps other churches. So what is our relationship with the world? What is your relationship with the world? And perhaps you've never frankly thought about it in, in, in quite these terms. There is a living tension that we find uh, in the scriptures. So, John 3.16, the most famous verse, perhaps in the New Testament, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16, the promise of the gospel. But then John, the apostle who wrote the gospel, (laughs) who gave us John 3.16, wrote these words also in his first letter, 1 John chapter 2, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away but the man who does the will of God lives forever. My guess is that passage is less familiar than John 3, 16. So there's some tension here. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, but don't you love the world? (laughs) But, But he goes on to describe, John goes on to describe the world. For everything in the world, the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life, as I've heard it summarized sometimes. okay. Now, elsewhere we read in John chapter 17, when Jesus is uh, making his high priestly prayer, the prayer for unity that we uh, re- referenced last week, the unity of the church, this notion of being in the world, but not of the world. So we are in this place we are in this thing called the world but we are not to be characterized by the world we are in but not of the world and so there's some tension there how do we live in some place or in relationship to something, but then not be characterized by that thing and so there's a little bit of tension there in but not of the world um, there's a phrase that I've heard the church is against the world for the world, okay? <clears throat> we'll talk, I think, a little bit more about this tomorrow, kind of uh, different postures that the Christians have thought about kind of what, how to, how to uh, treat or understand or engage the world in, in some way or, or society. So to be against the world for the world, that is if we completely identify with the world and embrace all of its realities and activities and thinking and ways of being, well then we're no longer the church, right? And so the church has to stand apart from the world, to some degree stand against the world, but in doing so it is for the world, like the prophets of, of Israel. They spoke against the people because they were for the people. It's like the parent who disciplines the child. It seems that the parent is against the child at that moment and the child feels like the parent is punishing them and is, and is being harsh and being mean, but the parent is against the child for the child, trying to train them. And so there's this against yet for posture and there and there's a tension there because it's easy just to fall into the against and just be critical and, and a judge of the world and avoid and let the world go to hell in a handbasket, so to speak. Okay? So being against the world for the world. There is in Scripture then this call to come out of the world, to separate yourself from the world. But then Christ commissions his apostles to go to the world. So which is it, Jesus? Is it to come out or is it to go to? Becky Pippert, uh, an author who wrote a book many years ago, uh, Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World. Uh, It was a book uh, really directed at college students, primarily, I guess. Uh, She worked uh, with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship and she uh, was a, a strong advocate for this notion of the salt shaker being, you know, you are the salt of the earth. So Christians tend to, when they get saved, they tend to just huddle into the church and forget the world. And she said, you need to get out of the salt shaker and back into the world. We are the salt of the earth. We're, we're to be out there engaging the world. And so she talked about kind of two turnings, a turning from the world to Christ, then a turning back to the world with Christ, carrying Christ back to the world. So come out of the world, and then as we grow and mature, we then re-engage with the world. We go to the world with the message of hope and the message of Christ. And so this question, perhaps you've never thought about these things, the church and the world, you know, uh, okay, I've actually heard some of these phrases or thought about some of this stuff before, and so you can see there's some tension there, okay? And we ought to feel tension, okay? That's that's a good, that's a good thing. Now, most of us don't like the tension. We want to resolve the tension. I'm gonna be in the world (laughs) and I'm gonna be of the world. I don't wanna live kind of that be in but not of. I would rather just engage and and be part of it and then just, you know, pull out my go to heaven ticket and I get to go to heaven at the end, right? No, that's not right. <laughs> okay, so there's three ways that scripture speaks about the world, okay? And so some of this tension is because the same word that gets translated out as world, a cosmos has different meanings per the context of the passage, which is why, uh, going all the way back to Theology 101, reading the Bible can be tricky because you have to understand it in the context of the passage, in the context in the passage, in the context of the book, in the context of the book, in the context of the, the Old or New Testament, this flow of what God is doing. And so, world can just speak of the physical creation. All that is heaven and earth, visible, invisible, all the people of the world. So just the, the physical stuff of the world, the trees and the mountains and the oceans and the people, this is the world, okay? And so there's that aspect. Um, and so I think the Psalm used some of that language. Where is it? Uh, let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So just speaking of the physical creation. Okay, so that's one. Second would be kind of the realm of human activity, the kind of the human aspect of the world, the buying and selling our jobs, our family, uh, society, arts, culture, just the, the, the dailiness of the world where things go on we're raising our families we're sending them to school today's first day of school uh, offered prayers this morning for my son Colson who's having his first day as a teacher in about an hour <laughs> and spoke to him last night and so he's got the, you know he's ready to go and so uh, many of you know him he, he plays uh, percussion in the, in the church from time to time and so the world is just all of that just and so Jesus uh, Told the parable of the sower, and the seed falls uh, in some places and and where they get choked by the cares of the world. Just the daily realities of just getting up, going to work, earning a paycheck, coming home, feeding the kids, planning a vacation, um, watching the news, you know, just all of the day to day activities. There's an aspect, the human side of the world, just human activity, and the cares of the world, okay? Just just life, okay? So there's that aspect, okay, as well, kind of the, the, the realm of humanity. And then there's this other sense, and this is the one I kind of gonna lean into a little bit. The world is that which opposes God, that which is in the physical creation, that which is in the realm of human activity, all that opposes God, what we might call the fallen world. I don't know if you can see, I kind of wrote that a little small down there, sorry. It's the systems, it's the patterns, it's the thinking, it's the ways that the world organizes itself, the way people organize themselves, the way people um, uh, get shaped into living in ways that are hostile to God. And this ties back to the reality of human sin, okay? Okay. Eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is to set oneself up over and against God. The, the temptation of the serpent, God knows that when you eat of that tree, you will be like God. Well, they were already like God, Okay, made in God's image. <laughs> but there was a little more that was the temptation. You will be then knowing good and evil, that is determining good and evil for yourself. You'll you'll have a sense of right and wrong that'll be completely independent of God. And so they eat and all of a sudden they realize that they are at odds with each other because Adam and Eve now have a different sense of right and wrong. There's shame and all of a sudden they're ashamed in their relationship with God. There's a sense of violation. And so over time then, that human reality of being independent of God. We've talked much about forming the moral tribes where I get with others who see the world the way I do on this particular issue, maybe not on all issues, but on this particular issue, politics being a favorite, sports being another one, okay? <laughs> but, but politics being a favorite where we gather and we are now a tribe, a moral tribe as it were, We're convinced of our rightness and we look at others and their wrongness and all of a sudden the in out grouping thing happens and we feel morally justified for opposing those people, harming those people. And so this is where the sin of racism comes from. One of the easy ways to in group out group is because of skin color, right? Or language or nationality, again, or sports team. And so we form these moral tribes against people and ultimately to some degree against God. Okay? And so this is what characterizes the world. Okay? And so <clears throat> uh, let me read. This is this is first John, a couple places. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. Okay, so now he's writing to the early church. These Christians who have now Uh, join themselves to Jesus Christ by the power of the spirit, their eyes have been opened, they've embraced Jesus as Lord, no longer declaring that Caesar is Lord, that the emperor is Lord. So now they are enemies of the state In, in many ways. They will not bow the knee to Caesar as Lord because they bend the knee only to Jesus as Lord. And so Christians find themselves at odds with the world in this fallen sense. You know in the in the sense of creation, we love the world. I love to see the sunset and the mountains and the ocean and the birds and and the and and I love to get out and you know do my job and go on a vacation with my family. What do you mean? I'm at odds with the world. We're at odds with the world that opposes God because then the world opposes the people of God, okay and so first John writes in in that context, um let me see. Where else? Wrote myself a little note here. Uh, every spirit—this is First John chapter four. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Okay, that's the—that's the rock. That's—that's that's Peter's confession. Okay. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. I thought Antichrist was like some horned creature that's going to come and try to take over the world. I don't know about horned creatures. But that which denies that Jesus is the Christ, that spirit, that system, that pattern of thinking, all that opposes the truth of God revealed in Jesus Christ, anything that does that is the world. Okay, And so that's the world that becomes hostile to God. Okay, And then uh, I think that is what I wanted to read there. And then in John chapter 15... Sorry about kind of flipping back and forth in my Bible here. Jesus, to his disciples at the Last Supper, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. That's in your Bible too. So that's John chapter 15, beginning verse 18, okay? What is, the, what is our relationship to the world? What is, uh, that is the church's relationship. What is your relationship with the world? Well, there's a lot of different ways of coming at this. So it's kind of a trick question, okay? But it's an important question and that's why I wanna tease it out uh, over the course of a few days. Our relationship with the physical creation is to embrace it, to celebrate, to honor God, uh, the creator, the maker of heaven and earth, and to receive the good gifts of creation. Every good gift comes from the Father above, and so good food um, and drink and family conversation, the joy of human activity, uh, being careful not to let our hearts just get so overwhelmed with the day-to-dayness that we forget God. This is why we practice Sabbath and we read our scriptures and prayer. It's like, to oh yeah, in the midst of all of this activity, kind of the, the world that rushes on, that we wanna pay attention to God. But, but the Christian's relationship to the physical creation, the realm of human activity, society, culture, arts, sport, um, science, beautiful, love it. Let's embrace, let's engage, let, let, let's be part of the world in that way. We, we definitely wanna be part of the world uh, so we can bear witness. But there is this other thing, the world that comes against God, that that because of sin, and the way sin kind of rolls up into collective expressions of sin. See, this is where the whole thing of systemic racism plays in. Hopefully, we've kind of had some of these concepts uh, underneath our discussion of race uh, several, probably two months ago. The The systemic nature of things, okay? That, No no white person is thinking, well, there are some white people who are probably thinking it, but but as I examine my own life and conscience, I don't wake up each day thinking I'm going to oppress people of color. But in a majority white nation, people of color feel oppressed. This could well be an expression of the world. That is a system, a, a way of thinking, patterns of behavior that that come about subtly, but deeply and powerfully, okay? And so the, the, the charge of white supremacy and systemic racism, and we as white people are participating in it, the challenge is as if we are consciously doing this, and I reject that. I mean, I, 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 I reject that actually as worldly thinking itself because the world, condemns. The world does not say save. Jesus saves, okay? And so the world just cancels people. The world just condemns and judges. It says, if you don't agree with our way of thinking, then you're out of here, okay? And so this cancel culture thing that is bubbling up right now. And so and so the the, the 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 world sits behind, you know, the, you know, the world says money is most important. And we say, no, God is most important. The world says power and politics is most important. We say, no, God and this kingdom are most important. The world says uh, reaching for all the pleasure you can at this moment, that's what's most important. We go, no, there are some pleasures uh, not to be had <laughs> um, or to be had only at God's uh, um, um, giving. Um, and, and there are some activities that we ought to avoid because they uh, diminish uh, the soul, diminish relationship with God. But the world says do what you want, when you want, where you want, with whomever you want, and nobody can tell you otherwise because that's the independent spirit that comes from the fruit of the knowledge, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The world says we get to determine what is right and wrong. There is no God. That's the spirit of the world. There is no God. There is no Jesus. There is no absolute truth. All of these are patterns of the world. And so I'm going to stop here just because we've gone on long enough and we've got a few more days to to get at this. But I, I hope this has engaged your thinking in a way and go, hmm, haven't thought too much about this stuff before. But as Christians, we need to because there's this 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 tension we're still in the world the physical creation we're in the world of human activity but we are not of the world that world that opposes god we need to be against the world that is that system that opposes god but we do it for the world for the people of the world who need to know god we come out of the world we come out of that system that 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 thinking that opposes god And then we go back to the world that is inhabited by these people who are about their daily activities, and we try to share Jesus Christ. So, do you see how this all starts to come together? So, God so loved the world that he made, but do not love this world that opposes God. Okay, and so that's, so hopefully there's some, okay, I see it now. So, let's close with prayer, and then we'll uh, see you tomorrow morning. Father, thank you for the grace and gift of these scriptures that guides us into truth, and Your Spirit given so richly and freely to us, the Spirit of Truth, to be our teacher and and comforter and counselor, and so counsel us well as we as we seek to navigate this tricky relationship with the world, a world that we love, the physical creation and the people, and yet a world that opposes you that we stand against. And so help us, Lord, to grow in our discernment and in our understanding that we, your people, the church, might be against the world for the world and bring hope to many. Father, we pray your hope and comfort to be upon those who grieve this day, those in need of healing and strength. Lord, those who are confused and are downcast, we pray the deep comfort and ministry of your spirit. Fathers, we seek to be faithful at Greenwich. We also wanna pray for our sister churches and believers and missionaries around the world that together as one church we might show forth uh, your joy, your power, your hope through Jesus Christ. And so guide us into this new day as we offer our prayers with gratitude in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray together saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And may the God who so loved the world and so loved you, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish. May that God love you, bless you, keep you this day and forevermore. Amen.